All right, news roundup and information overload hour. If you want to be a part of the program, we'll get to more of your calls. Final half hour of the program today, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to join us. You know, it was interesting. I did, did not know Disneyland or Disney World in Florida opened, what, eight months, nine months ago? It's kids in school in Florida, they've, they've been there the entire year since August. There's a lot of now backlash from parents. They've had it. They keep saying, listen to the science, listen to the science, listen to the science, but they're not listening to the science. And even Fauci is looking at these draconian rules for kids this summer at summer camp, and they've got to have masks on and social distancing. Okay, but the parents have all had access to the vaccination, and most of them have taken advantage of it. Anyway, and a lot of this is fueled by the teachers unions that that they don't seem to ever want to go back in the classroom. Um, and it's getting worse and worse. Anyway, our friend, uh, investigator reporter Luke Rosiak and Leo Terrell are going to join us in a second to discuss the impact of these school closings on kids, their overall well-being. And, you know, it was the weirdest moment this week when we saw Joe and Jill Biden with Jimmy and Joc- Jocelyn Carter. Jimmy Carter's 96 years old and his wife is 93 years old. And they take this picture inside the Carter's home. They don't have their mask on. And I thought we were supposed to protect the elderly in the middle of a pandemic. And Joe lectures us constantly about wearing masks. And the oddest part of that is when Joe and Jill Biden walked into the home, they had their masks on. When they took the picture, when they were standing right on top of them, they had their masks off. And when they walked outside again, they had their masks on again. It's not making any sense. You might remember this case of Alyssa Pirro, California teacher, telling a student they don't need a white student union. They get everything. We're going to get to that, too, here. But the Biden administration has asked parents and families to trust the guidance of the CDC. But I thought they told us that we would all be okay and life would return to normal. Apparently not. Luke Rosiak, thanks for being with us. Leo 2.0 Terrell. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, Sean. Glad to be here. All right. So, Luke, let's get into some of your reporting. And a group of calling itself the National Parents Union said that they've asked parents, the Biden administration and families to trust the guidance of the CDC. But now when it comes to school reopening guidance, the recommendations from the CDC are tainted by outside influence, including teachers unions who have no expertise, quote, in science or public health, allowing outside groups to influence the CDC's decision making shows that now this whole process has been politicized. Your, uh, your reaction? Yeah, and I love that name, the Parents' Union, because that, that really hits the nail on the head. I mean, for going back decades, we've had the teachers' unions and the National Education Association is the largest labor union in the country. And then parents, we're just regular people. We're busy. You know, your kid comes home from school. How was school? Oh, it was fine. You never really know what's going on. A lot of people aren't that, you know, involved. And the teachers run these places as basically employment centers for themselves. It's, it's not about kids. And so parents are apoplectic. I mean, we've reached a point in this country where I don't think we're ever going to forget what they did to our kids in the last year, um, because it really highlighted the issues that have always been present in the schools, the way that they're run by radical ideologues and entrenched big-money interest groups for their own benefit without really caring what parents want. And what was fascinating is within days of Biden assuming the presidency, the complete politicization of this science agency, the CDC, where February 3rd, 
the director, Rochelle Walensky, said there's increasing data to suggest that schools can, re- can safely reopen now and teachers don't need to be vaccinated. Um, and the White House tries to dial, walk that back and say, oh, that was just the CDC director speaking in her personal capacity. And so nine days later on February 12th, they released this guidance that all the schools use for whether they can open or not. And so they opened the conference with Walensky saying, yeah, you know, the science shows that schools opened actually lowers coronavirus because the kids are in a controlled environment, not out doing who knows what. And teachers are actually at less risk of getting coronavirus than people in other jobs. So she opens the press conference conference, correctly summarizing the science, saying schools can open, there's no reason to keep them closed. And then she unveils the actual guidance, which is more restrictive, and it actually shuts down schools that have been open without incidents all year long. And so this isn't science at all. And as you said, these are people that are saying, you've got to trust the science. Uh, You know, how can we trust anything they say anymore? Uh, And so hovering over Walensky at this conference, uh, press conference, was a woman named Donna Harris Akins, who's a longtime top NEA union official who Biden appointed senior policy advisor for the Department of Education. So it's kind of self-evident, you know, even when she's unveiling this nonsensical guidance that shuts down schools and basically causes moms to have to leave the workforce to watch their kids and send family routines into disarray. Uh, it's self-evident what's going on. It's the teachers' union's influence. And, and Walensky actually addresses it at the time. It says, I promise there was no political meddling in this. This is science. And that appears to be a lie because... The New York Post obtained evidence showing, they obtained emails showing that in between those two dates, when Walensky reversed her position, the teachers' unions, such as Randy Weingarten, who makes $500,000 a year as head of the American Federations of Teachers, uh, were lobbying the CDC and wrote suggested guidance for coronavirus policies that the CDC adopted verbatim. So this is a major story. Can you imagine if something happened like this under Trump, where the you know an important nonpartisan agency is politicized? Um, parents are affected by this so much more than really any other political story. And um, you know the kind of media and the political class have chosen their side, and it's not really the side of the the parents and the children. ABC, CBS, and NBC haven't even covered this story. It's a great point, Leo. Two point oh, Terrell. There's irrefutable evidence to me that, in fact, yeah, the science is not guiding these decisions, but these are all made on political considerations. Oh, if, if you're stating the obvious, Sean, let's be very clear. Education is the key to break the poverty cycle. The teacher unions and the Democratic Party do not care about that, especially in Democratic cities and throughout the city and the country throughout. Let's be clear. While these public schools are being shut down, private schools, religious schools, and charter schools are open. So, I mean, the American public can see the hypocrisy and the politicization of the union and its impact on the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party has received millions of dollars. I think it's over $20 million. I might be understating it. It might be $40 million of money from the teachers' union. And the teachers' union controls the Democratic Party, especially in big cities. And they do not want to go back to school. Uh, just a couple of days, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, I think on MSNBC, uh, they asked President Biden, will schools all be open in September? He said, probably, because they see the whole mask pandemic issue as a form of control and power. The hypocrisy is that the American public see beyond this. And I'll tell you right now, the Democratic days, Sean, are numbered up until 2022, when there is going to be a tsunami 
in Congress, and the, both the House and the Senate are going to go red. But the problem here is this. You're talking about losing two years, two years of education at some of the most tender, important ages of a child's life from K to 12, and that's going to be lost forever, and you cannot make that up. And I'll tell you right now, being a former school teacher who still has my license, it is a crime that the teacher union has placed their personal interests over the interests of school children who are our future in this country. I think that's extraordinarily well said. Right as we continue, Luke Rosiak, he's an investigative reporter, along with Leo 2.0 Terrell. I think the biggest, you know, the most glaring hypocrisy in all of this, and, and it also fits into the situation that was unfolding this week with Jimmy Carter and, and his wife and Jill and Joe Biden. What was the point, Luke Rosiak, of wearing the mask outside, socially distant, fully vaccinated, Joe and Jill Biden walking in with masks on, into the Carter's home, uh, taking them off for pictures at with no social distancing right on top of each other and then putting the mask on when they go back outside and nobody else is around them. What's the point of that? There's no rhyme or reason to any of it, including what the CDC is doing. I mean, they came out with guidance this week about summer camps where they've got kids wearing masks outside in 90 degree heat in July. And socially distant, don't forget. Exercising, they have a lack of oxygen, they're going to be passing out. And the point of this, really, it raises the specter of, are we going to open schools next year, as you indicated? I mean, Joe Biden won't even say yes. And the point of this school closures was the $128 billion that the teachers got in the coronavirus bailout. Now, students don't really get coronavirus. Teachers are at less risk than other professions, and they use this first to put themselves at the head of the line to get vaccines. So they're getting vaccines during the period reserved for the elderly. So if a teacher takes a vaccine, an elderly person may die. Think about what has to be, think about the mentality that that entails, that you would take a vaccine from an elderly person. And then even after they get the vaccines, they indicate we may not come back. And at the end of the day, the quote science was that if you give us $128 billion, which has nothing to do with the coronavirus because it doesn't have to be spent until the year 2028, then it'll be safe. So this idea that they've, well, you've got to trust the science, and I'll just call up this guy named Science, and he'll tell me what it is. I mean, there's no such thing as trust the science, but especially now when they're politicizing all of these agencies and behaving in ways that are uh, totally irrational. Um, the idea that you would get a vaccine and then refuse to come back to work when children are suffering, it, it's child abuse. I was, and uh, I always, and you can see what's happening in New York. They, they kind of have their own little version of this passport, Leo. You're a civil rights attorney. I don't know. Maybe I'm just one of the few people that believes in medical privacy. And to me, you know, everyone's lecturing everybody else on what they need to do medically here. I think the public does need to be informed. And as the pandemic, you know, as we learned more and more as time went on, we went from Fauci in March of 2020 telling us we don't need masks. Masks aren't going to do a damn thing to, to one mask and later two masks and all the projections of all the experts were wrong. They got a couple of things right, and that is that the elderly were the most susceptible from the very beginning. That remained constant. Uh, we were right that the, the science, uh, in terms of vaccines, once they broke down the sequence in the, of the virus in record time, we knew that, that we could probably with the greatest minds in the world, put together a vaccine, and then people can get informed about that. Uh, everybody now has access to the 
coronavirus vaccination if they want it, Leo. And at that point, you know, I don't feel comfortable as a radio talk show host telling people, as so many are urging me to tell people uh, to get the vaccine. I am urging people to be very considerate of older people, people with comorbidities, pre-existing conditions, uh, compromised immune systems, grandma, grandpa, mom and dad. Um, but my understanding was that everybody has the option. They're told they told us that you could protect yourself and will be protected if you get the vaccine. But now we're told that you got to wear the mask even after you get the vaccine and you still need to socially distance. Uh, sounds well, to me, I mean, on, on one level, it sounds like they don't even have confidence in the science that they're telling us is behind the push to tell everybody what to do. I I would urge everyone to do their own research, consult with their doctor or doctors or medical professionals they trust based on their individual medical condition, make the right decision for them. I I don't think Dr. Hannity is in the position to be given that advice. I agree with you, Sean, 100%, but let's lay it out very clearly. First of all, Fauci is an agent for the Democratic Party. He has zero credibility. He flip-flops back and forth. The Democrats see the mask as a form of power. We're talking about Joe Biden and Jill wearing a mask outside the house. What about the stupid picture of Kamala Harris and her husband, both vaccinated, and they're kissing each other with their mask on? That's totally ridiculous and uh, insults the intelligence of the American public. But when it comes down to the choice of, uh, of getting the vaccine, it's an individual choice. And let's just me mention just one particular state. The perfect state in this country, Florida, the perfect governor, Governor DeSantis, who has basically looked at the science. The state has been open for months. Unlike California, where I live at, where a state is being subject to a recall of the governor, it is a form that the Democrats are going to try to drain this out as long as they can to send messages to the public because they apparently poll well on the issue of the mask, and they want control. The mask is a form of centralized government control, and the Democrats have a problem letting that go because the science says we're good if you're vaccinated. We're good that we're, if we get herd immunity. We're good if we social distance. But the Democrats want that mask to continue, and it's going to continue, Sean, probably to the end of this year, but respect, thank goodness 2022 elections coming up. It'd be like asking Dr. Leo 2.0 Terrell. Dr. Leo, what do you think people should do with uh, as it relates to the the virus? Do you have an answer? What would your answer be? My answer would be very simple. Individual choice. That's what makes this country great. I don't want some bureaucrat in Washington, someone from the CDC or Fauci telling me what to do. I want to make an individual choice based on an informed decision. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you both for being with us. Luke, uh, long time no here. Good to hear from you. Leo 2.0 Terrell. Thank you. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. This is Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney. I have been a combat fighter pilot for nearly 20 years and witnessed the heroic sacrifice required to keep America free. 13 years ago, God inspired me to start Folds of Honor. Our mission is unwavering. Honor the sacrifice by providing educational scholarships to the families of our fallen and disabled veterans. The need is great. In the wars of Iraq and Afghanistan, over 2 million military families have suffered death or permanent disability. Nine out of 10 receive no federal education assistance. Folds is proud to stand with these families and provide the life-changing gift of education. We have awarded nearly 28,000 scholarships since our inception. Please join our mission. 
to educate America's most heroic families. Visit foldsofhonor.org and join our squadron with your $13 per month pledge. Freedom is not free. This is your call to duty. All right, 24 now to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. That's uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney, friend of the program. Uh, yeah, 20 years, 2,800 hours of flight time, an F-16 fighter pilot, three combat tours in Iraq. And uh, you know what? This has been an amazing cause that he's been involved in. And with Memorial Day coming on Monday, uh, no better time than to remind people of the need that he said in that ad, rightly so, is great. You know, think of, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan, two million military families are in need. And we welcome him back to the program, Lieutenant uh, Colonel Dan Rooney. Sir, how are you? Hey, Sean. Blessed to be with you. Um, your good friend Urban Meyer says hello. So I'm sitting in the Jacksonville Jaguars parking lot and uh, just left his office. Tell him I want a signed Tim Tebow jersey and we'll auction it off did you you as a matter of fact you ought to auction them off at your golf tournaments for folds of honor so urban is all in you know he is a great wingman for folds of honor and he's going to do awesome stuff here and uh, so i think you can probably get anything you want signed from anybody on that team you know the funny thing is the number one selling uh nfl jersey by far right now is tebow and and they go back to you know, Tim Tebow's college days, I think he won the Heisman Trophy. Didn't he win the Heisman Trophy? I'm pretty sure he did. And uh, everyone's, you know, we have all the critics out there. Tim Tebow's an amazing athlete, and it's going to be interesting to see if he can transition to be a tight end and, and make that happen. That's going to be fun to watch. I was just looking at the roster board, and I think there are 90-plus guys on it, and they've got to cut it down to 48. So, um, Tim, in the spirit of Phil Mickelson, right, don't be a prisoner of common assumption. Uh, don't let the world tell you what you can and can't do, and it'll be exciting. And we love him because he's he is a faith-forward kind of guy. Yeah. Now, one of the things, I, I know what what Memorial Day is for most people, right, or Veterans Day is for most people. And it's not that we are unappreciative. Everybody's so busy. And they think, oh, finally, a long weekend. Finally, a little time. Finally, maybe with some good weather and barbecues and friends and family, especially, you know, things are opening up in, in states that have been shut down to the ground. And everybody that I know is like, finally, I can live again. And but you got to remember, freedom isn't free. The, the the price has been steep, the heroism, the courage, the commitment um, of our military. You know, these things that we often take for granted, this is what Memorial Day is about, honoring those people that ensured all of our freedoms, freedoms for us and freedom for, freedom for our children and our grandchildren and, and hopefully freedom forever. Yeah, amen. Uh, you're, you were preaching it, Sean, and specifically, you know, Folds is about taking care of the families, and and they are the ones that are forgotten. I've got five daughters and a wife, and when I signed up for the military, they went along the ride with me. Uh, we've been blessed that, you know, that, that I am fine, but we know that that is not always the case, and you mentioned we've got millions of dependents out there, 
And what we do is give them the opportunity to go to school. And uh, we'll send 6,000 families to school this year. That's about $30 million out the door. And, you know, interesting, uh, as we look at equality in this country, 41% of our recipients are minorities as, as well. And I'm a huge believer the only way we find equality is through the gift of education. And uh, we created a special fundraising opportunity, Sean, just for guys like you. I know you're not playing as much golf now. Um, but we've I'm got playing none. golf. Uh, no, we got, you're spending too much time in your dojo, uh, but you've got to get out of your dojo um, this weekend and play the most heroic round of the year, Patriot Golf Day. So we'll literally have millions of golfers play this weekend, and you just jump on your smartphone and you make a 5 or $10 donation to Folds of Honor for the most heroic round of the year, and that will equate to, to millions raised. Uh, to send these spouses and kids um, to school that have, as your point, sacrificed so much. And, man, by all means, crack your Budweiser this weekend. Go go round up at... What do you mean Budweiser weekend. singular? Uh, how yes. about Budweiser's? <laughs> I mean, seriously? I love it. What? Um, I love it. Um, anyway, so but, you founded Folds of Honor in 2007. You've now sent 29,000 kids to school on scholarship. Over 145 million, and if you had the money, all the money that you you would need, what would you need? So every year, and this is the sad part of folds because those are awesome statistics. But the one that you don't share is we'll have about 4,000 qualified families that apply this year that we won't be able to fund, and that's why it is so important for people to you know we ask for a minimum of 13 bucks a month to join our squadron. Uh, and the great thing, too, when we ask people for money, I'm so proud of our small team in Tulsa that 92 cents of every dollar donated goes directly to fund scholarship programs. Um, so the need is the need is great. We don't want to leave any family behind on the field of battle. Well, I mean, I just admire your dedication, and you guys have done phenomenal work. We're going to put a link on Hannity.com. We're going to send out social media tweets, et cetera. Um, but you know, I got, you know, I appreciate all that you do. This is a passion of yours. You started it in 07. It's 13 years, incredible success. Uh, your life, your background is inspiring. Uh, F-16 fighter pilot, almost 20, what, 20 years in the military, 2,800 hours of, uh, of flight time. Well, by the way, how, how fun is it to fly an F-16? I can't even imagine how cool that is. <laughs> it's better than bleep uh, for the radio, so I'll leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> okay. I don't know. Uh, I, yeah. My Living imagination my goes in a lot of places there. Go ahead. Well, yeah, you you need to get up. I'm sure the Air Force would love to take you up. Uh, yeah, in a I know, because all the pilots Incredible. try to make all, these, all, the, all of us stupid people in the media, you try hard to make us puke and don't deny it. I, I would never do anything like that. <laughs> You're so full of it. That's not true. Um, and I know people that just have, have done have it. Have, <laughs> just have a light lunch. Just have a light lunch. Maybe I should fast for five days. Uh, probably the only way I'd survive. Anyway, I want uh, everybody in this and take a look at when you go to Folds of Honor and you can tell people where to go. You have your PatriotGolfDays.com uh, website if you're playing golf this weekend. And you're going to have PGA professionals, you know, former presidents, athletes, celebrities. Um, everybody's participating in it. And, uh, and where do people go if they want to help if they're not going to play golf? Yeah, foldsofhonor.org uh, is uh, is up running 365 days a year. Uh, consider making a donation. And, 
Sean, on a personal level, um, I just want to thank you for your support um, personally. So you're just not talking about folds. You are in the fight with us as so much of the Fox family is. And uh, from one brother to another, I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for all you're doing. I mean, your passion comes through. It's infectious. And, and you know, for all those people that sacrificed uh, everything for us, I, we can never repay them. And this is, frankly, you know, the, a, a simple way to say thank you and mean it. Uh, appreciate you being with us. Come on anytime, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney. We love having you. Thank you. All right. God bless. And God bless Linda, too, who makes it all happen. See you guys. All right, quick break. We'll come back. We'll get to the phones, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program straight ahead as we continue. All right, you've heard about Tuttle Twins and the creator, children's books. I mean, it's about freedom, real books for kids that work. Now, the the founder is a guy by the name of Connor Boyack, and he was instrumental, for example, out in Utah helping Mike Lee uh, run for Senate in his campaign. And inspired by Mike Lee, well, Connor Boyack uh, created a think tank, Libertas Institute. It promotes free market policy in Utah, and they work with other states as well. Anyway, a few years after starting it, he and his wife noticed after they had kids uh, that they were struggling to find books that would help them as parents to teach conservative values to their children. I think we've all experienced this. So he teamed up. With a friend, they published what is the first of the Tuttle Twins books. And guess what the reaction is? Massive bestseller and response from parents uh, looking for their kids to learn about free market, uh, conservative values, the golden rule. And and these are books for, for children, toddlers to teenagers. The Tuttle Twins books, it promotes personal responsibility, entrepreneurship, common sense, and 50% of families that purchase the Tuttle Twins, children's books about freedom, have children that are homeschooled, and others use it to supplement public schools. Anyway, this day, we've set up a website. If you have kids anywhere, again, between toddlers to teenagers, you're going to want to visit this website. You can't get these books anywhere else. I mean, it's nuts. TuttleTwinsHannity.com. TuttleTwinsHannity.com. Do it for your kids and to counter the indoctrination in our school system. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? Let's go back to last night. Joe, $6 trillion man, massive spending, and, uh, yeah, let's hide all the power grab moves and maneuvers we're doing behind the scenes. That didn't come up much last night, nor did the border come up last night either. Hmm, very interesting. But $6 trillion, and that's just the down payment. For me... I think climate change, I think jobs. The American Jobs Plan will put engineers and construction workers to work building more energy-efficient buildings and homes. Think about it. There is simply no reason why the blades for wind turbines can't be built in Pittsburgh instead of Beijing. No reason. None. No reason. There's no reason why Americans... American workers can't lead the world in the production of electric vehicles and batteries. I mean, there is no reason. How do we pay for my jobs and family plan? I made it clear we can do it without increasing the deficits. Let's start with what I will not do. I will not impose any tax increase on people making less than $400,000. But it's time for corporate America 
And the wealthiest 1% of Americans have just begun to pay their fair share. Just their fair share. But Wall Street didn't build this country. The middle class built the country. And unions built the middle class. So that's why I'm calling on Congress to pass Protect the Right to Organize Act, the PRO Act, and send it to my desk so we can support the right to unionize. And by the way, while you're thinking about sending things to my desk, <laughs> let's raise the minimum wage to $15. No one, no one working 40 hours a week, no one working 40 hours a week should live below the poverty line. We need to ensure greater equity and opportunity for women. And while we're doing this, let's get the Paycheck Fairness Act to my desk as well. Equal pay. They spent much too long. And if you wonder whether it's too long, look behind me. All right, joining us now, Senator Ron Johnson, great state of Wisconsin. Now, I keep talking about 2022. Republicans are very close to getting a majority in the House. A lot of bellwether Senate races around the country, and, and that would include... Uh, Florida and Georgia and North Carolina. That would include New Hampshire. That would include Ohio, Wisconsin, and uh, Arizona among them. And South Carolina. Tim Scott is up, by the way. Uh, One of the races, Democrats have clearly said they want to target one guy. That's Senator Ron Johnson in the state of Wisconsin, who's done a great job for the state of Wisconsin. You've not officially, from my last reading, announced that you're running for re-election, have you? Uh, I haven't, Sean. Hello. And, and by the way, didn't Tim Scott do a great job? He's great uh, last night. Reply? Just a great job. The, the contrast is just so stark. Now, I, I guess you can say uh, Joe Biden's speech was great if your goal is to bankrupt this country, uh, turn America into socialist uh, basket case, and, and make every American dependent on government. Then, then I guess Joe Biden's speech was good, but... But Tim Scott laid out a vision for America that I think most Americans can embrace. Yeah. You know, I look at your state of Wisconsin, and I think of the people of the state of Wisconsin. Salt of the earth, Midwestern, great values, God, family, faith, country. They, they, they work so hard every single day. They, they, they obey the laws, play by the rules, pay their taxes, raise their kids, work their 14 hours a day. And... There is this appeal, it seems like, to millennials that, oh, no, no, everything is going to be free, 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 you know, free pre-K, free daycare, government-sponsored, of course, free college, government-paid for, free student loan forgiveness, guaranteed job, guaranteed wage, guaranteed government-healthy food, guaranteed health care, guaranteed retirement, and uh, don't worry, we're not going to run a deficit to pay for it, is what Joe said last night, Senator. No, and that is the concern. You're going to take, you know, state like Wisconsin, and you're right, hardworking, just common sense, kind Americans, okay, kind Wisconsinites. And over time, you start making them dependent on government, and you keep growing government, and you grow, grow these massive debt, these deficits, and, and these ma- this massive amount of debt. And, and by the way, Sean, this debt already is having a really harmful impact. Well, let's, let's say you're a retiree on a fixed income. And because of this massive debt, we keep interest rates artificially low. Where can retirees on a fixed income get a, a fair rate of return on their savings? And if we if we monetize, uh, if, if we turn this debt and, and we fix the problem by inflating, uh, inflation is going to wipe out retirees and people on a fixed income, and it's going to really harm uh, people at the lower end of the income spectrum. And that, that's the little secret story that the, the Democrats will never tell you is the, the horrible consequences of all this 
uh, out-of-control spending. You know, I, 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 I look at all of this, and what I see is that hardworking Americans, most that I know, are not looking to the government to hand out things. They, they, they want freedom. They want liberty. They believe in capitalism. You know, not, not big spending, deficit spending, radical socialism. But yet, there. How do you possibly explain the the appeal, the, this the biggest lurch in the history of this country towards socialism? I would say one word: COVID. And so, you know, because of COVID, you know, we had all these shutdowns. You know, Congress was was very generous. We we certainly wanted to help people in need. We all do. But when you start doling out, for example, six hundred dollar just flat increases to state unemployment benefits. And you continue to extend it. You know, this is Lawrence Summers, an economist uh, that helped the Obama and the Clinton administration. He said, it basically, if you ex- when you extend unemployment benefits, you extend unemployment. And that's what's happening. You know, at $600, it was something like five out of six workers made more in unemployment than they made working. Right now, I think the figure is still about 40% with a $300 plus up. And so that is how you addict Americans to government. You, you pay, pay out all of these uh, direct payment checks. So at, at the depth of the COVID recession, we were down about 25 million jobs from the record created under President Trump. 25 million jobs. Now we're about 10 million jobs. And yet we sent repeatedly uh, stimulus checks, I guess, direct payment checks to 166 million Americans. And a certain percentage of Americans that unfortunately may be a growing percentage kind of gets used to that direct payment from the government. They realize, well, why, why should I go into work when I can make more literally sitting on my couch? And that is how Democrats historically have addicted a larger and growing percentage of Americans to government and to them. And, of course, that's what this is all about for Democrats. Addict Americans to government, make them depend on the government, and then they will vote for the people that will guarantee you more benefits. Yeah. You know, why do you think it is that, uh, and, and I've noticed that you're a, a senator that rolls up his sleeves, goes in, keeps your promises, works hard every day, and and Democrats seem to have a, a target on you more than other people. Um, when do you think you're going to make a decision about running for re-election? And what are the factors in your decision? Well, I don't have to make it anytime soon, honestly. I want to see how things play out. A, a big factor is is how much of a threat do I think America uh, faces? And, and truthfully, do I really think I am the best candidate to ensure that this seat does not get turned over to Democrats? That will weigh heavily on my mind, even though... And I meant it when I pledged. I really was only going to run, only going to serve for two terms. I mean, I meant that. That, that would still be my preference. But I'm, I'm, I'm not going to step away if I think America's future really hangs in the balance and that, that I really am the best person to ensure that this seat stays in Republican hands. I mean, that, that will weigh heavily on both my wife, my wife's mind, is my, my, my mind as well. Well, I, I, I certainly hope that you stay in there because we need people that are going to fight I think that the agenda for the, the Republican Party, I think there's some there is we're in the middle of a political shift and I don't know how it's going to shake out. And I see the Democratic Party now has become the, the party of coastal elitism and radicalism and radical environmentalism and redistributionism and statism, socialism, all of that. And I we were getting to this point where Republican policies that were about liberty and freedom and capitalism and protecting the first second amendment and law and order in every town and city and and educational choice but you know the trump policies the make america great again policies of low taxes limited bureaucracy secure borders 
energy independence, peace through strength, trust but verify, and free and fair trade and, and health care solutions to free market solutions to health care, I, th- I thought were was a perfect agenda. Uh, is that the agenda that you think is the winning agenda for Republicans to take back the House and take back the Senate? Yeah, you, you pay attention to the forgotten men and women that President Trump focused on. I mean, that, that was his appeal. He understood how you know, so many of these trade deals were not particularly fair, and that had a real impact on normal Americans' life. And, and you're right, Sean, the, the Democrat Party is really becoming the party of the elite. And you know, what, there's, there's really no better evidence of it than what's happening at the border right now. You know, one thing I try and point out to, to people is that Kamala Harris, who's on my community, when we held something like 30 hearings on illegal immigration and, and our unsecured border, and also President Biden, they know full well the depredations of the human traffickers. They, they know that their policies was going to blow a hole in the border and create a surge of people putting their lives and their children's lives in the hands of some of the most evil people on the planet, and still they're doing it. You know, in completely ignoring the impact that will have on not only those illegal immigrants who are going to be abused by those human traffickers, but also ordinary Americans trying to work hard. You know, the impact, the impact of that out-of-control flow of illegal immigration in this country as well. So President Trump understood that, and he appealed to those forgotten men and women. And that is a coalition, the people that truly love this country, that know exactly what made it great. That, that's that coalition that I think any smart Republican will pay a great deal of attention to and make sure we try and make, keep that coalition together. It's a winning coalition, particularly when more, more Americans have their eyes opened up of exactly what the Biden and Democrat agenda is socialism, out-of-control spending and debt that will totally ruin this country. With a thousand people estimated to be coming into this country illegally a day, and you've seen the the videos, the images of kids in these Biden cages, as I call them, and in the middle of a pandemic with no health checks whatsoever, uh, and then apparently transported and and taken to other states all around the country— um, who's going to pay for housing, who's going to pay for food and health care and education. And I, why did I think that if I ever aided and abetted in lawbreaking that I'd probably be handcuffed and, and taken off to jail? It seems that, well, you have the Democrats have just decided to ignore the laws they don't like. Um, I didn't think that's how the process works, but apparently it does work that way. Well, as is always the case, it'll be the forgotten men and women of America that work hard. They'll pay. They'll foot the bill. Not, not the Democrat elite. It'll be the forgotten men and women. But, Sean, it's, you know, I keep very close track of this as former chairman of Homeland Security Government Affairs. The average over the last 28 days is 5,900 people being apprehended at our southern border per day. Per day. 5,900 people. That's a large caravan every day. It's completely overwhelming. But they're being allowed to stay in, aren't they? Oh, yeah. You know, so, yeah, the, the Biden administration is telling CBP, process them in eight hours and, and disperse them. No COVID tests and not even a notice to appear. So, so they don't even have an obligation to, to go through an immigration process anymore. They're just being dispersed. And, 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 so, and they so there's not even a court shadow. date given. It's, it's even more extreme than catch and release. And, of course, eliminating the stay in Mexico policy on top of also eliminating um, the policy, which is to build the wall. You know who's keeping track of them, though? The human traffickers. You know, the border is 100% secure on the Mexican side. Nobody crosses without either paying the human traffickers or being indebted to them. How do you think a young, 
pretty little girl pays off the four to five to ten thousand uh, dollar human trafficking fee? How, how do you think that happens? You know, what, what, what does she do? And again, Kamala Harris, President Biden knows exactly what happens, and they are allowing it to happen. They're incentivizing it to happen. They blew up, dismantled all the successful policies of President Trump that stopped that flow, that prevented so much human depredation in the hands of human traffickers. You really got to scratch your head and ask yourself, why is the media covering this crisis? Why aren't they pointing out the depredations and, and really the inhumanity that the, the President Biden and Vice President Harris's policies are creating? All right, we're going to let it go there. Uh, looking forward to your decision, uh, Senator Ron Johnson. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. We'll get to your calls in just a second here. Um, we have some really big Senate races in 2022. Now, obviously, getting back the House of Representatives is going to be huge for the Republicans. If I'm right, Republicans, if if they if, if things keep going the way they're going and the radicalism and the squad of radicals remains in control, it's going to be perhaps a tsunami bigger than even 2010 with the Tea Party. That's what's coming. And Republicans have every opportunity to take back the House. They have every opportunity to take back the Senate. I mean, we've got Senate races. I mean, this this will be the bellwether of all bellwethers if you want to look into your crystal ball for 2024. I mean, Florida uh, is up a Senate seat. Marco Rubio's seat. He's running again. Uh, Georgia. We're watching Herschel Walker. He might be a candidate against Raphael Warnock. Uh, Tim Scott is up in South Carolina. Nobody's determined yet who's going to run in the state of North Carolina. Then you got New Hampshire. A lot of talk of Governor Sununu running. But if he runs, I think he'd win, and I think he'd win that state easily. Ron Johnson is being targeted by the Democrats and, and Hollywood more than any other candidate, Republican candidate running for the Senate in 2022 is being attacked already. Then we got the state of Ohio. We're not sure who's going to emerge from there. We're looking at people. Uh, then you've got Arizona. And this is going to be a huge year. And I'll add to that the state of Pennsylvania. Think about those states and how much they all matter. To me, it's very simple. You, if Republicans want to win, it is the America first, make America great again agenda. And what is that? It's, we believe, liberty, freedom, capitalism, and our Constitution. Lower taxes, eliminating unnecessary, burdensome regulation. We believe in law and order, safety and security, simple, basic fundamentals, choice in schools, free market solutions for health care that protect pre-existing conditions. We want our borders secure and safe. We believe in energy independence. We believe in free and fair trade, constitutionalists on the bench, and we need the biggest kick-ass military on the face of this earth because we want to protect the American people and the cause of liberty and freedom for generations to come. That agenda wins. That's pretty much the agenda I've believed in my whole life. And if Republicans unite around that agenda, then I think they'd have every chance of winning all of it, and, and it could be a broad sweep. We have been following what's going on in, in Pennsylvania. I mean, uh, we've interviewed uh, Kathy Barnett, says so she's running. And I, I, we love Kathy Barnett. She's a great, great human being. Kyron Skinner's thinking about it. 
Now Sean Parnell, another great guy. We've we've been friends. He's been friends with this program for a long time. Retired Army Infantry Captain, now a candidate for the U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. My whole life has been about serving this country. Ladies and gentlemen, I've got to tell you, America is on the brink. This country stands on a very thin line between hope and darkness. Your taxes are rising. Our debt and deficit is skyrocketing. Our border is flooded. Our energy industry is being crushed. Our Second Amendment is under assault. Our First Amendment is too. The Democrats aren't shy about their agenda. And let me tell you this, it is our duty and our responsibility in 2022 to stop them. is about going to where the contact is heaviest, where the fight is the toughest. The fight for the heart and soul of this country is going to happen right here in Pennsylvania. And so ladies and gentlemen, I am officially declaring my candidacy for United States Senate here in Pennsylvania. Together, we are going to win in 2022. We are going to win Pennsylvania and we are going to save America. Thank you. Now you've officially announced you're going to run? Yeah, I'm in the race. And Sean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we've got to rally around the America First agenda. And, and one of the things that I've learned since being out of the military is, you know, I fought for freedom surrounded by death and hell. Um, you, you see, you get, a, you get a chance to see just how precious freedom is and that freedom has to be fought for and defended uh, by every generation. Uh, but the fight for freedom uh, in this country right now in 2021 and leading into 2022 is not going to be held on a foreign battlefield. It's going to be held right here uh, in, in this great, exceptional country. And really, I think ground zero for that fight is the state of Pennsylvania. That we've got an, an open seat here for the first time in a very long time. Republican Senator Pat Toomey is, is retiring. Uh, and we have got a hell of a shot to hold this seat. And in fact, I would say we absolutely have to if you look at some of the things that the Democrats are doing, like what I tell people is your taxes are rising, our debt and deficit is soaring, our border is flooded, our police are being defunded, our energy industry is being crushed. The Second Amendment is under assault. The First Amendment isn't far behind. The Democrats are trying to pack the Supreme Court, make Washington, D.C. a state so that they can have a permanent permanent majority in the Senate. Uh, they're talking about nuking the filibuster so they can remove any dissenting voice from the minority. The, the, whole, the whole movement behind the radical left is to fundamentally transform this country, erode our protections in the Constitution that, by the way, are granted to us by God, not government. Uh, it, it's a wholesale war on the American way of life. It, and the, my top-line mission, Sean, is to protect and preserve the American way of life in, in the American... Well, you put your life on the line for that, too. I mean, you're wounded in action... I mean, I think you were outnumbered uh, 10 to 1 and battling an, an enemy pretty much in point-blank range. Uh, this is back in 2006. Uh, you retired, highly decorated captain, two bronze stars, one for valor, Purple Heart. Um, so I think you know what a, what, what a fight looks like. And, yeah, I think Pennsylvania's hard. Let me ask you one question on election integrity, because I know you were active and involved post November 3rd, but the legislature in the state of Pennsylvania, um, because you have a state constitution that clearly states 
very limited and very specific instances in which you can have mail-in balloting. The legislature didn't go through the more difficult process of amending their constitution, and they just passed a law circumventing the constitution. Uh, To me, that was unconstitutional. Uh, Is the state legislature going to fix that? Will your governor, Wolf, will he fix that? I don't think there's any chance that, that Governor Wolf is going to is going to sign on to a piece of legislation that repeals Act 77. Now, I certainly I agree with everything that you said. You're spot on in your assessment. In fact, our case made it all the way to the Supreme Court. Why the Supreme Court didn't take it, I don't know. We had three justices dissent and agree with us, Gorsuch, Alito, uh, and Thomas. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, I believe it's unconstitutional. But Governor Wolf's not going to sign anything uh, to repeal it. Uh, and I would also add that this case, like our case on Act 77, it was one of the only cases on election integrity that was heard on the merits in in a court, Commonwealth Court in Pennsylvania. When we presented the evidence, we won on the merits. Now, the PA Supreme Court, 5-2 Democrat supermajority in in the Supreme Court, they didn't take our case. They dismissed on technicalities or didn't take it at all. But Act 77 is is clearly unconstitutional. But unfortunately, I think that system is still going to be uh, in place in 2022. But one thing I know that the legislature is moving on uh, is voter ID. So even if Act 77 is still in place, like voter ID is a real simple way to fix all the woes that we experienced. So in Pennsylvania has no That's voter identification no, whatsoever. No, no, and, no, and, no, and, no. and I think it was 2.4 million mail-in ballots in 2020. And what was it, 200,000 in, in 2016? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 oh, by the way... And by the way, uh, you're right. The Supreme days, Court should have taken that case up. They should have. And, but, but, oh, by the way, Sean, 60 days before the election, the governor removed the signature verification requirement. Any semblance of a deadline. Election day became election week. That then became election month, right? Um, they removed any postmark requirement. All at the same time that Zuckerbucks and the CTCL funding came in, to fund remote satellite voting facilities and drop boxes in heavily Democratic areas. Now, I say, like, why don't Republican chairs all across this great state of Pennsylvania apply for the Zuckerbucks? We've got 64 out of 60 counties, 67 counties here in the state of Pennsylvania that are heavily Republican. Let's put drop boxes in every gun show, every car show, every farm show across the state of Pennsylvania. Watch how fast the Democrats don't like drop boxes. I'm telling you, if we're not saying we do anything illegal I'm the not two best anything. legal cases well i think there were three one was in georgia by having two signature verification standards and two voting standards one rigorous if you voted in person uh and you needed a voter id and you your signature was verified on the state database uh that was waived in this consent agreement uh, that was made by this, you know, Secretary of State Raffsenberger, which was the dumbest consent agreement I've ever seen in my life. And it created a, a very lenient method of people voting by mail. The next big case, and that was the 4-3 decision with the chief justice of the Wisconsin Supreme Court in a in a brutal takedown of the four justices that were on the other side. It was a, a 4-3 decision that, um, saying that Uh, We have laws, and until you have the courage to enforce them, this is never going to stop happening. And then I thought the best legal arguments were that the state uh, legislature did not have the constitutional authority to bypass your your state constitution. And I think on the merits, you win that case easily. Absolutely. I mean, and truthfully, it was it was it was based on 200 years of Pennsylvania Supreme Court case law going all the way back to, to the Civil War. 
And so if you look at the field as it's developing here in the in Pennsylvania, like the number one quality that Republicans want is somebody that is not afraid to stand up to the radical left and fight, not just the radical left, but also stand up to our own party when they're incorrect. I'm the only person that's been able to do that. Uh, and two weeks before I even got in this race, Sean, you had Chuck Schumer in the DSCC running ads against me in Pennsylvania when I wasn't even a candidate. And then when I got in the race, they started sending all these email fundraisers like, oh, Parnell's in the race. We got to start raising money and help our candidates. At the exact same time, Google started censoring my campaign website. So if you plug in my website on Google, like you can even search Sean Parnell, Senate, Pennsylvania, my campaign website will not come up. Now, you put it into Yahoo, Bing, or DuckDuckGo, it's the first thing. But it is important for people to understand that, like, this is, if you think that big tech does not have their finger on the scale of this thing, tilting it in favor of the radical left, you're wrong. Because if you punch in any of the Democrat candidates who are running for Senate in the state of Pennsylvania, their websites pop up first. Now, why is that important? Like, I raised the vast majority of my money in 2020. Now, we broke all sorts of fundraising records here in in Pennsylvania. We raised it online for 45,000 individual donors. We weren't beholden to uh, any political party. Uh, We weren't beholden to any corporate interest. We raised small dollars. Have you thought about a lawsuit that this is an in-kind campaign contribution by big tech? We are thinking about it. Like, if we can't get this situation resolved, uh, that clearly is the next step. Because if, if people can, like people are listening to me on your show right now and they say, oh, I kind of like that dude, Parnell, he's a good guy. They punch my name into Google. I like that guy, Parnell, but that guy Hannity is a total jackass. But go ahead. <laughs> I don't think people that are listening to your show are going to think that. But um, I, I'll look, all I know is that they're going to punch my name into the website, into Google. They're not going to find me and think that maybe I don't have a website. If you think that that doesn't hurt as a concern. Oh right? No, it's everything. I, I totally agree with you. And it's, uh, you know, I know you have Parnell for Senate, I think is the domain you grab. But I, I, I look at this, that is an in-kind donation, just like protecting uh, Joe Biden and, and Hunter Biden with, with the laptop story prior to the election. That was an in-kind donation. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, Sean, we appreciate you being with us. I, you, you've got some great people in the Republican Party, and it's not Pat Toomey. Uh, frankly, it's time to replace him. And uh, I'm looking forward to watching this primary. you got some amazing, uh, amazing opportunities there, and I'm hoping that uh, Republicans will be smart enough to capitalize on it. Yeah, Sean, I can't thank you enough for giving me a little bit uh, of time today on your show and access to your audience. And nope, glad yeah, to I'm do it. I mean, we need people like you. I thank you for. Year. I thank you for you know uh, getting wounded in action for our freedoms. Thank you. Well, it was an honor to serve. You're worth it, and so is this country.